We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Our instant reaction to NFL Week 12. We're going through a lot of exciting games today. Sean, some monster performances, some very high scoring games. And we're going to start off in just a moment with the Raiders and the Seahawks over 74 combined points in that one but Sean we are moving forward here and uh, the season continues how are you feeling as we wrap up just after Sunday night football finishes up here in NFL week 12 fantastic I mean this is what the NFL is supposed to be right right just just took 12 weeks just took 12 weeks and I mean you look at these games Thanksgiving was fantastic we had two incredible games one game that was great for a half at least and the giants obviously battled there and then you come out on sunday and Colin, we had two games that finished 40 34 or 40 33 and there was a lot that went on in these games you have josh jacobs going for 300 yards 300 yards and i mean he'd been having a breakout season a fantastic season i mean the Las Vegas Raiders declined his option before the year and acted like they were going to go with Zamir White. We don't know what they're going to do contractually, but they've, they've remedied. He's going to get paid. He's getting paid somewhere. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he's still a running back, right? And he still isn't an elite pass catcher. He still doesn't have breathtaking speed. So, you know, for a second contract, I don't know. I mean, there probably is a Seattle team out there. They'll probably look at the situation with Kenneth Walker and say, you know, we really wanted Walker and, and Rashad Penny this year. I mean, what we've heard of that, we could have Walker and Josh Jacobs. But no, I mean, Josh Jacobs looks fantastic. And I say he doesn't have the breathtaking speed. You could see the punch that he does have on that 86-yard score there in overtime. He splits the middle, and you can see that Seahawks defender miss at, you might call the third level, and he's gone, right? He's gone. And he was making plays like that throughout the day. The Seahawks did a nice job of holding Devontae Adams in check. Adams has been the driver of that offense over the past two, three weeks, putting up big performances, making defensive backs look silly. He had an incredible catch in this game where he's down the sideline. The defender pins his arm. Obviously, pass interference isn't called because it's only pass interference if the offensive guy breaks free from the defensive hold. But then Adams goes out there, pins the ball to his side, continues to look fantastic. 
Colm, this was one of many games this week that was just so much fun. And it's great to get back to that. This was back and forth the whole way. Geno Smith did make some mistakes, but he also made a handful of incredible throws. He pushed the Seahawks to the brink. But in this one, it was just Josh Jacobs beginning middle. And Derek Carr does throw for almost 300 yards. He averages over eight yards per attempt. He gets the three touchdowns. He did his part. He battled all the way through. I still think that Derek Carr is going to be a guy who is an important part of your Superflex Dynasty team over the long haul. These last several weeks, we've witnessed really his evolution within this Josh McDaniels offense and the ability to work through a variety of players. They get Mac Hollins for a touchdown in this one. They incorporate Amir Abdullah. Amir Abdullah, a long touchdown reception. So of his three targets, one of those was down the field. He makes a runs a great route to start and then makes a fantastic catch Carr hits him on that. Also, Foster Moreau, fantastic touchdown. So they spread it around. They get the receiving touchdowns to Hollins, Abdullah, Moreau. Once they get some guys back, like a Hunter Renfro, like a Darren Waller, this offense is going to look really good. The Raiders 4-7, and seven, probably out of it in the AFC. But you can see a team here that hasn't given up, battles all the way through to the end. I was rooting for the Seahawks. I was hoping they would score a few more fantasy points here. Kenneth Walker does get bundled up, but scores the two touchdowns. Colin, your guy, DK Metcalf, 15 targets, 11 receptions, 90 yards. He makes a fantastic diving catch down the stretch. Looked at in replay and not overturned. This was just a fantastic NFL game. Yeah, we've we've seen, you mentioned the Devontae Adams catch, the you, know, you mentioned the Abdullah catch as well. This week, we did see a lot of spectacular both catches and, in particular, touchdown catches. We'll touch on some of those as we move through today's show. But some of the talking points coming out of it, as you mentioned, Josh Jacobs, 229 yards on the ground, two touchdowns for him on those 33 attempts. That was 33 of the 40 rushing attempts that we've seen for Las Vegas. So he really continues to take over that backfield when you get 229 yards. It's easy to say that, but... He was uh, electric on that final walk-off touchdown in overtime, the 86-yard run that you mentioned. But seven targets, which is the second high, joint second highest with Foster Moreau on the, the team, but six receptions, 74 yards. Adams with the 11 targets leading the way. On the other side, though, we have Kenneth Walker gets an early touchdown. He gets a touchdown later. But he's 14 carries for just 26 yards, averaging less than two yards per carry. But the two touchdowns kind of saving the day there. He does have the one reception and one target for 13 yards. The other part, Sean, is... In terms of the concentration of this offense, we know it runs through DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in the passing game. 15 targets for Metcalf, 7 then for for Lockett. But outside of Metcalf, Lockett is the joint with two other guys for the, the, the most receptions at 3. He does have a really nice touchdown catch in this. But Gino continues to, to look pretty good. Some mistakes in there as well. But overall, this Seattle Seahawks team for me, Sean, feels like almost like an adopted Rotoviz overtime team for the, the 2022 season. They have been extremely fun. But um, any any concerns with Walker as we, we move forward here? Obviously, it's up the two touchdowns. But if, if we don't get the two touchdowns here, I think it's a, a more stark day overall. No, not really. I mean, they're obviously trying to slow him down. He looks good on those two touchdown runs. He blows a play late in the game where looks more like a college type of run where you're thinking that you can bounce it outside after you've already lost 
10 yards and you continue to lose yardage. It's one of the reasons why his yardage numbers are so poor. He's going to have to make better decisions than that. But one of the things he brings to the table is the ability to get in the end zone in this offense that is high powered at this point because Geno Smith can really throw the ball. He's got a better arm than the vast majority of starting quarterbacks. I think that if there's a concern is that this defense now is not really stopping anybody. 576 total yards for the Raiders. Now, part of that, again, is predicated upon having Just that overtime it. period. But, I mean, 576 yards, that's too many <laughs> to give up to anybody, especially a team like the Raiders who still has plenty of problems of their own and not a lot beyond the two stars. So you can't get gashed by one of them. Colin, they weren't the only team getting gashed in the running game. You had high hopes for your Green Bay Packers defense coming into the season. They were humiliated in this one. They give up 500 yards on the nose. Can't stop any running plays. 363 yards on the ground. Some of that is Jalen Hurts scrambling, but... They made Kenny Gainwell look like a star today. Miles Sanders runs 21 times for 143 yards, scores a couple of easy touchdowns. And yet the Packers fought back. They were in this the whole way. We saw A.J. Dillon carry eight times for 64 yards. And those were notable in that he's been criticized this season for not running as hard as Aaron Jones. He battled here. Also catches three of his four targets this was the A.J. Dillon that people were drafting in the fourth round this season. This was the A.J. Dillon who really had the 1A role in this backfield over the first month before they had to go to Aaron Jones. Now, Jones, he gets bottled up more in the running game but looks like a star as a receiver. <laughs> Again, that's the reason he was drafted in the second round. People thought that he was going to be a bigger part of the passing game because the receiving weapons were so limited. He catches a pass 30 yards down the field in the end zone bails Aaron Rodgers out on that play. Rodgers looked invigorated in this game until he's forced to leave. And then we get Jordan Love and Love looked pretty good with the young receivers in the preseason. I still think he has an NFL career ahead of him. Some of these guys just take a lot more time. We just got done talking about Geno Smith who bombed out his first opportunity and now looks like an average to above average passer. And you think about what that means Mike White today leads the Jets to an easy victory and unlocks Garrett Wilson because he's an average to slightly below average QB as opposed to someone who can't play at all. That distinction is a pretty big deal. If Jordan Love can get up to that point where you know he's only slightly below average, you look at this team a year from now and Christian Watson might be the best, most explosive, most athletic receiver in the nfl so not straight best receiver but most athletic most explosive and then you put him with romeo dobbs who was much more athletic and explosive than anybody really anticipated we'll see how those two fit together because if you have them you have the explosive running backs you have some peripheral pieces like an alan lazard you get a tight end in there who can do a little bit of damage. Suddenly, this offense is exciting again and is exciting in the post-Aaron Rodgers era. And especially with how much drama there's been this season, I think that's a big positive for them. It gives them flexibility because I think that Rodgers now can see these young guys and there's a possibility that he wants to finish out you know, two, three, four more seasons and really leave a legacy that's unparalleled 
there in Green Bay, maybe win another Super Bowl. So things like that that would position him in that conversation just below a Tom Brady and probably where a Patrick Mahomes will end up position him, you know, almost kind of to that Peyton Manning type of level that has to appeal to him. But if it doesn't, I think that this play, even in, in a section where maybe the Eagles are not taking it as seriously, but you look at that play that pulled the Packers right back to the brink. If they get a defensive stop there, they could go win this game. I mean, this isn't a situation where Jordan Love completes that long touchdown pass and then leads another impressive drive just purely in garbage time. I mean, the game is still on the line at this point. Yeah, the, obviously you mentioned there Rodgers, the rib injury, that's why he goes out. He did have one interception deep in their own territory, which deflects off the de- defender's helmet and then is intercepted. He does have a, a pretty bad interception as they are heading into the red zone just out to the red zone but the ball is thrown to around the 10 yard line intercepted this game sean watching it it was a case that you know go 14 or 13 zip down with the the missed extra point and you're like well this is this is trouble and then they get it back to 14 14 pretty rapidly and uh, an interesting game over our 14 13 at that point I, I thought this was one of the more exciting games to watch for the packers offense even though they they lost this one and you mentioned um christian watson that touchdown coming from jordan love a 63 yard touchdown he finishes with 110 yards on that he has looked electric over this and we knew the kind of raw tools he had but he's putting it together pretty nicely here over this three game stretch that is coming without romeo dobbs in that time frame but watson looks really really exciting and um fun to see these young players you know starting to come in you mentioned as well the the touchdown catch by aaron jones he is one of the very few running backs in the NFL who can make those type of plays. So this this was a fun one, exciting in a way. You don't want to see Love have to come in for an injured Rodgers, but exciting to see him go in and, and have some opportunities to play. And you mentioned kind of the career trajectory. I still think, obviously, there's a lot overblown about Jordan Love and, and what he has been able to do. Obviously, not very much in his couple of years here in the NFL, but I still think there's a, a future there. There's enough glimpses that we've seen at times, but... This game was all about Jalen Hurts, really, who absolutely ran all over. I, I had shades of Colin Kaepernick at times watching this game as uh, he used to regularly run over the, the Green Bay Packers, but 17 rush attempts for him, 157 yards. The only thing stopping this from being a, a complete monster day is maybe one of those short rushing touchdowns that they do get between Sanders and Gainwell. They put three into the, the end zone if we get one of those to Hurts, but he does have two passing touchdowns, 153 yards, but a couple of those rush attempts there's a 42 yard long one in there and he is just so so good to watch a little bit of a quieter day for the the receiving core overall but the eagles now move to 10 and 1 and and they look in cruise control here towards the the playoffs if not the top seed in the nfc sean i'm going to jump to the next game because you mentioned quarterback who had a, a very exciting day and Maybe not an exciting day, though, for Zach Wilson watching this one on the sidelines. Mike White goes for 315 yards, three touchdowns, takes one sack for just seven yards. He also has just six incompletions in this game, and he spreads the ball around pretty nicely. But exciting, Sean, here for for your boy, Gard Wilson, and, and your other boy who we haven't seen very much out of in Elijah Moore. Wilson has eight targets, five receptions, 95 yards, two touchdowns. He continues a nice stretch here in what has been an overall extremely impressive rookie season elijah moore gets two targets two receptions 64 yards he has a 42 yard touchdown in this one really positive to see that happen but i guess the big talking point here is we have no justin fields for the the bears which leads to 
not much happening on the bare side of the the ball we do get an injury unfortunately to darnell mooney looks like he will miss the majority or sorry the remainder of the season here but very very exciting for both wide receivers and and certainly for mike white again we talked about joe flacco leading this offense earlier in the season i think the rest of the way we, we we won't see zach wilson we we shouldn't see zach wilson what's your thoughts here on how let's focus on the positives though of how good mike white looked here against the spurs defense yeah he looked good and again it's the difference between having a competent nfl quarterback and someone who can't play at all i mean they've talked about zach wilson having the yips and that's going back to training camp it really is a disservice to the team that they played him when he's having those struggles it would be weird to sit him during his second season when you draft him number two overall but i mean the the entire team has a chance to see him practice and if you can't get it done in that environment it's just it's not the right decision to play him and it's also a little bit odd that they went with joe flacco to start the season now one of the reasons why they did that is because they could see how dynamic the rest of the offense could be So you have Brees Hall to start the season. He looks like he might be the best running back in the NFL. And I say that having just witnessed, obviously, (laughs) Josh Jacobs and what we know about players like a Jonathan Taylor, a Christian McCaffrey, an Austin Eckler. And then you have these guys. I mean, Garrett Wilson's game today, his first touchdown, he beats a defender who's holding him, makes a physical play to cut across, get wide open in the corner of the end zone, finishes that one off. Then on his second touchdown, after he catches the ball, he makes the most dynamic stop start of any wide receiver all season. The best run after the catch that we've seen in the 2022 campaign. Yes, you do have a safety get injured on that play and go down that helps spring him for the whole run after catch. The long touchdown there. But the 595 and 2 in this one illustrates what he would have done if he just had really any other quarterback other than Zach Wilson. It would have been a Justin Jefferson-esque rookie season i still think that we're going to get that when you're doing your dynasty rankings right now it really has to be jefferson one jamar chase two and i think garrett wilson three i mean he's that good the ability to get open the ability to run after the catch the touchdown scoring ability that we've witnessed you know early on in his career it's just kind of crazy to think where he's going to go you mentioned elijah moore the, the frustrating part here is still just the two targets no one in this game other than garrett wilson actually consistently draws targets from mike white so you have the impressive part the 315 the three touchdowns he does this in the rain so the conditions also not ideal and yet i ran that, that was legit rain that's not you know a little drop of rain that is that's irish rain he was playing today <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they weren't good conditions. I do think that we have to note that the Chicago Bears probably the easiest or one of the two or three easiest marks in the NFL right now. They have essentially no defense. They've gotten rid of all their guys. They're looking forward to a rebuild next season, both through the draft and in free agency. They're going to build around Justin Fields. You mentioned that they don't have really any options in this game. It's a solid performance from David Montgomery especially when you consider the strength of the Jets defense and the fact that there's no one else to really focus on here. You also get a little bit of Darrington Evans behind David Montgomery. So when you're thinking about how you can play this, Tristan Ebner, obviously not the route. Darrington Evans, but probably just not playing the Bears if anything were to happen to Montgomery. Call him this just again. So cool to see. 
I'm going to go ahead and make the bold prediction now. I mean, we've gotten to see the season, so it's not that bold at this point. But the 2022 class is going to be better than the vaunted 2023 rookie class. I mean, think about where we are now, where Brees Hall might be the number one running back. Garrett Wilson may be the number three wide receiver. Then you have to put all of the rest of these guys in here. I mean, Chris Olave and Chris Olave fans are going to argue Garrett Wilson's not even the best receiver in this group. Those who drafted Traylon Burks early are going to say, what about his game today, where he again catches a long pass within the context of this Tennessee Titans offense that is not oriented through the air, but probably will become more so as Burks gets better and better and better. He also makes a sensational play chasing down a Derrick Henry run. Henry scores or almost scores, goes the full distance on a long screen pass, and this one is stripped late, and the Bengals could have really taken control of the game at that point, and yet Traylon Burks chases this down from behind. It becomes a 75-yard touchdown when he recovers the fumble in the end zone. He looks like he's going to be a star. You think about these two Ohio State prospects, who are already hitting in a huge way, and we haven't even seen Jamison Williams yet. Today was kind of a funny performance from Sky Moore where he muffs another punt. We're all praying that that's the last time that he's back there for the Chiefs to return a punt. If he's not, the Chiefs are going to lose the game this year because he can't do that part of it. But otherwise, look good. Christian Watson is going to be someone that you wish that you had picked even earlier. When we talked about how eight, nine weeks through, he looks like a bust And now he looks like someone you wish you had spent a top five pick on. And then the very best player out of all of them could end up being George Pickens. And so you put all of those guys together and this class doesn't need the quarterbacks. We still might get, we had a weird game today where the commanders and the Falcons play each other. And by the end, I mean, people are dying for Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell to be out there on the field. Heineke and Mariota just competing train wrecks. These two train wrecks sort of piling up in the vicinity of each other. It was it was rough to watch that one. Somehow I made it all the way through that one. Colin, my eyes are bleeding from a full 14 hours of watching the game today. It was it was that good. It was that exciting. Didn't even mention Kenneth Walker there in my pitch for the 2022 class. The rookies have been limited in terms of their redraft impact because of the team environment in so many cases, and yet they have demonstrated very conclusively that the talent is there and they are going to be the next group to stamp their impact and leave their personalities on the NFL. This sort of valley that we have been in over the first two, two and a half months of the NFL season, I think we're out of that. We're headed for a peak. This was just such fantastic football across so many games today, and we haven't even discussed the comeback from the Cleveland Browns to force overtime. Haven't discussed the Ravens losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars today as the Jags go for two at the end. Haven't discussed the Chargers coming back and winning when they go for two at the end. But we're not going to talk Ravens-Jaguars because that's one of the few games I haven't yet witnessed. But what did you think here about the Cleveland Browns versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers This was one of those games that felt over because it was more or less dominated by the Buccaneers after that opening touchdown. The broadcast 
team kept showing stats about the Browns' recent games and the gap in time between their first touchdown and their second touchdown in these games. They do score to start the game. They have a nice seven-play, 78-yard touchdown drive, but do not find the end zone again until we have just seconds left in the game when David Njoku on fourth and 10, not necessarily a play you're expecting to see a touchdown. Again, this game did feel over, even though it was one score. He sticks his hand out, pulls down a one-handed touchdown catch. I mean, one-handed catches all over the place. There was a like just a seven or eight yard gain for DeAndre Hopkins where Kyler Murray threw a pass directly to the defender. And at the last second, DeAndre Hopkins goes, boop, sticks his hand out, pulls it into his body. You know, that one better than I would say that Stephon Diggs catch that got some attention because there was sort of the dueling catches in that Justin Jefferson amazing (laughs) catch play. But Njoku here, he had been silent. He bails out Kevin Stefanski, Jacoby Brissett, and the Browns. If you were playing against Amari Cooper, you felt like you had dodged a bullet because he was not really relevant in this game at all. But then overtime happens, and he catches a 17-yard pass and then a 46-yard pass in overtime to put that game-winning drive together. Nick Chubb scoring at the end as they eschewed the field goal there. I don't know if this was a thrilling game, and the Buccaneers haven't been that fun to watch this season, but it was a great performance by the Browns, another team that has been bad and probably is out of it, and yet they battled all the way to the end. There's a, there's a stark contrast right now between the teams that are playing hard for their coaches in a lost season and those teams who are not. Yeah, very much so. This you mentioned the way it felt like the the Buccaneers had this one kind of showing up, and I think maybe the Buccaneers felt that way a little bit as they went through the game. The the Browns were struggling pretty much from as you mentioned to the start to the very end, and in between that, there wasn't a, a huge amount happening. At the end, though, it's kind of like they they get caught with that haymaker where we get they they think they have the game kind of closed off. It's fourth and ten. It's a spectacular catch from Njoku that leads to overtime. Then they get those catches to Cooper including one that the, the long one that's kind of a, a broken play that that gets down to the two yard line then Nick Chubb punches that one in and that was kind of the case of the game where the Buccaneers had chances to put this one away they punted a couple of times when potentially they could have went for it on the, the fourth down to try and push ahead and they kind of just they always left the Browns with that little bit of a, a door opening to, to potentially get back into it and that's exactly what the the Browns do at the end and this could prove to be a very costly loss to the Buccaneers the Browns are now four and seven they they feel like they're they're out of the, the run here but uh, the Buccaneers now five and six when they had a chance to go to six and five so I think this is going to be very costly for them not Brady's best game he has 43 pass attempts completes 29 of them two touchdowns 246 yards Rashad White obviously gets the the majority of the work here with no Leonard Fournette he gets 14 carries for 64 yards and this game started off very impressively for me at a 35 yard run kind of straight out of the gate runs to the left side and that was really the the highlight for him and the run game throughout the rest of the game but he does get nine targets nine receptions 45 yards so positive day for him overall but Sean on the 
Buccaneers side outside of that the only real talking point is that well there's two talking points coming out of this one point but we get 13 targets going the way of Chris Godwin he gets 12 receptions 110 yards a touchdown so a big day for Godwin but then we get nine targets for Mike Evans with just the two completions was kind of there wasn't a sync here between Mike Evans and, and Tom Brady we've seen a couple of games recently where Evans hasn't really been clicking with Brady and it's starting to move in the direction of Chris Godwin we also see some Julio Jones sprinkled in here but uh, the Buccaneers just out of sorts here coming out of the, the bye week and feels like they they just got caught as they, they thought they had this one sewn up. Yeah, it was exciting to see Rashad White so involved. He ends up with the 23 opportunities. You would have liked to see him look better as a runner after that initial run. But one of the things that Ben and I have discussed quite a bit really on stealing bananas is that they obviously want him to take the reins. He has the athleticism. He's got the speed. He's got the size. He is a good receiver, which you demonstrated by not just drawing nine targets today, but catching all of them. And yet he has not been dynamic in the games. If you, if you catch all nine of your targets, you'd like to have more than 45 receiving yards, but from a fantasy perspective, this is a nice game. Right, you go over 100 yards from scrimmage, you add on the nine targets. He was a big part of our draft plan. He now is playing and playing well-ish for teams at the crucial juncture. So we like all of that element of it. If he plays a little bit better, then perhaps this game doesn't come down to the the Browns making plays at the end to win. You also talk about the difference here between Godwin and Evans. And Godwin just brings that underneath threat that is going to be a little bit more consistent or is at least going to feel more consistent. Mike Evans only catching two of the nine targets today. This was kind of a combination of defensive attention, a couple of near misses, a couple of poorly thrown long balls by Tom Brady, and a couple of plays where Mike Evans does not make a great effort and looks old. And I mean, Evans obviously is still very, very good. This isn't to say he's not going to score anymore or, you know, you shouldn't have drafted him. We made the point that he probably more of a fourth round value than a late second round value. Again, that doesn't mean that he's not a good player or hasn't had a solid season, but once Godwin is healthy and he's talked in the last couple of weeks about how he's getting closer, this is more what you expect from him. I mean, Tom Brady didn't necessarily do him any favors either. He's open for a 30-yard reception where he runs a nice route, gets open deep, and has no one around him. And Tom Brady overthrows him by a good five yards. That play maybe adds another 40 yards onto his line, and suddenly you're talking about a huge performance as opposed to just the 29 points. And 29 points he'll definitely take. It's not the 50 that you get from, from Josh Jacobs, but this is more why Godwin still factors very highly into you know where you're going to be redraft rest of season and he's someone that we've been trying to buy low in as many formats and as many leagues as possible all throughout the season and dynasty he's still a guy who you know we mention it all the time but he has that overall wide receiver season two in his past even in that campaign not the ceiling that you're getting from these elite five the players we talked about in our sort of thanksgiving ot episode And yet, when you're talking about someone who should be a low-end wide receiver one for four or five more years and has that value in Dynasty, this game today emphasizes it again. I mean, he is the star for the Buccaneers. I don't necessarily think it matters that much whether Tom Brady, now that 
things have changed a little bit in his life decides to come back and, and like make a push to play to 50. I think that's still a possibility, certainly not the most likely one, but a possibility. And you know, at the same time, if they go with someone else, yeah, you can go through the Zach Wilson experiment or experience and that part would be pretty devastating. And yeah, there's also the possibility that you get a very wide variety of other types of passers. The, the thing that would kill you is if you get <laughs> the combination of a Marcus Mariota type with a coach whose goal seems to be to suck the life and all of the fun out of football. That's really the only thing that can limit Chris Godwin to not make him a dynamic producer over the next four or five years. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sean, next game up here, and this is going to be a fun one to discuss. I think you, we're going to talk on the, the Tuesday show about the Ravens and the, the Jaguars. You mentioned you haven't seen it yet. But in this game, it is the Los Angeles Chargers versus Arizona Cardinals. Game is an opportunity to be tied up at the very, very end here. The, the Chargers go and get a touchdown. We see the same in the Jaguars game where we'll talk obviously about it, but a, a tremendous touchdown drive at the end by Trevor Lawrence. And that one, they go for two, they get the win. The Chargers here go for two and they get the win to two-point conversion to Gerald Everett. But what I want to do here, Sean, is talk about this game, but I also want to flip a question. And in this question is going to be the win bet, yes or no, who won the trade topic of today. But you can sign up to win bet today. You can sign a special... You can receive a special sports offer, bet $100, win $100. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. Sean, this was a topic I was going to slide into a show last week. We just didn't have time to fit it in. A couple of trade deadline moves that I made. One where I moved Austin Eckler, one where I received Austin Eckler. But we're going to talk about the one I moved because this could be a trade that's working out for both of these teams moving forward. Austin Eckler here, just five rush attempts. 20 yards on the ground but he does have 11 for 60 and one touchdown on 15 targets in this one the trade sean was austin eckler who i moved away for garrett wilson and a second round pick so we talked about garrett wilson already i know you mentioned there how high you are in garrett wilson how high he is in your rankings we'll talk about the game in a second but austin eckler versus garrett wilson Superflex dynasty who are you taking austin eckler just for Austin Eckler or Garrett Wilson in the second? Well, you should have to be giving up. I thought, yeah, I was going to say, I thought that was going to be your answer. This was last week. <laughs> this wasn't this week. But even still, right, you should be the one giving extra picks when you pick up Garrett Wilson. He's already demonstrated that he's unstoppable. And in order for him not to be worth more than Austin Eckler, he would need to have a string 
of quarterbacks almost as bad as Zach Wilson to neutralize him and neutralize the value of this decade that he is going to be a superstar in. Austin Eckler, very, very good. Catches 11 more passes today. I mean, doesn't even need to really run the ball to be one of the top two or three running backs in fantasy. I mean, 23 points just in the air. The Cardinals did a fantastic job of limiting him in this game, and yet in part because the Chargers went out there and threw it and threw it and threw it and didn't limit themselves with all of these low-value rush attempts. They had 47 passes for Herbert. He has four carries, I believe three of which were scrambles, would have been dropbacks. He has four additional sacks. And so you think about the number of dropbacks he has in this game compared to true running back runs of only nine. And that allows the team, even where he averages less than six yards per attempt and then additionally has that sack yardage, allows them to come out and win this game. Patrick Crane and I drafted a dynasty team that has Herbert and Jamar Chase, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Christian McCaffrey, some really fun names, but also some names that either hurt or have underperformed. Justin Herbert not coming anywhere close to living up to the number three pick in startups this season. And yet you watch this game and so many different hints of what he's going to be again and what we saw from him last season that pushed him up that high. Now, I think that it's easier to justify that in Dynasty than it was in redraft this season. Again, a little bit of that is just saying, you know, we, we didn't have him that high ourselves and it's played out that way. It could have played out differently if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams had been healthy. And you're definitely drafting Herbert at his ceiling where he was drafted in redraft this year, but that doesn't mean that he and the Chargers can't still be good or that they're not a fun ascending team one of the things that was too bad about this game is that these teams hadn't pulled out some of the close games previously to make this a marquee matchup because it felt more like that when you're getting kyler murray and the full sort of murray experience where he runs for 56 yards today and runs explosively he scores a rushing touchdown he's able to get the ball to deandre hopkins he's marginally able to get the ball to marquise brown they probably wish they had been more aggressive in some of their decision-making here, you don't want a game where he throws 29 times and James Connor runs 25 times, even though Connor looked far and away the best that he's looked at any point in time this year. He's looked completely washed up this season, similarly to where he looked his last couple of years with Pittsburgh before he actually had a very nice bounce back season last year. But the Cardinals just not being aggressive enough, again, putting this game away. This is the game that they dominated and appeared to have won, and yet they didn't finish it off. What were your thoughts about the decision to go for two at the end, this game being played at Arizona? Obviously, the home team is going to have some of those advantages in overtime. And yet, when you have the momentum scoring there at the end, your passing game is starting to dominate and you're the better team, and there's some reason to believe that playing it a little bit safer here would be the way to go. I think that going for two at the end makes a lot of sense if you were the underdog like the Jaguars, yeah. or if there are elements in the game where your offense is dominating and your defense is really struggling. You could make the case that maybe that is the situation at the end here 
for the Chargers, but I would have it more balanced probably than that. Yeah, it, it was an interesting one. I, I did think, and watching this game as it was unfolding down that stretch, I kind of had a feeling if they if they get it here, they might go for it. And I, I do think we're going to see more and more teams start to take those opportunities. We've seen Oakland do it for a number of years now. We see it here. I think like if you're the Chargers, you have Keaton Allen, you have uh, Austin Eckler, and you have somebody like Gerald Everett. I think you're kind of set up in a perfect situation to try and complete a you know a two point conversion. Those are guys who can get open in that short area very very quickly to complete that pass and i think it's a case of you know trusting justin herbert to get that play done and and pick it up it's a lot of the time we see teams you know fourth and two or fourth and three and we're, we're seeing some teams punt it some teams go for it we've seen the the eagles and the packers where the eagles are pretty much every single time that's going to happen they're going to do it and they're probably just going to decide that they're going to sneak it with jalen hurts but we've certain teams who are trusting their players in those situations and i think that's what the the chargers done here maybe it's a case two season on the line to you have a chance to to win it or you have a chance like they they really needed this one they are basically tied now with the new england patriots they're right in the mix for that final wild wild card spot in the afc and i think if you have the opportunity and as a packers fan i've seen this a number of times where you go to overtime you don't get the ball you lose the game and that probably played into it a little bit as well but we did see it you mentioned this being on the road we see it in the charge or in the the jaguars game but they are the underdogs in that situation but I, I like to see teams going for it in these situations and, and trying to pick it up to to get to get that win on the spot. How how do you feel about it? And this it feels like you might have thought that they could have played it safe, but you play it safe here. You, and we touched on this, there is teams missing those extra points. Extra points are not as automatic as they used to be, and I think that's another reason we'll see teams start to go. If you have a kicker maybe having some struggles throughout certain games or at certain points of of games. I think we'll see teams start to, to move towards this and i think it could be one of those cases as more teams adopted that it'll start to maybe in 10 to 15 years become a lot more close to maybe not even that maybe five years a lot closer to common practice yeah and uh, one of the things here is just if you feel like you're above 50 50 to make this play at the end of the game to win and you should be as the offense like if your offense is good enough and you've the players to make the play you should you know have a a more than one and two chance to put this in every time. Well, I mean, you'd like to think that. I, I'd say that more teams should have better plays at this distance. I mean, one of the reasons that teams don't go for two is that it is a little bit below 50-50 in terms of the conversion rates. But you talk about having the game on the line, you should be able to pull out your best play I do also think, though, that if this is the play when there's not a penalty, one of the things that we have seen a lot this season is that when there is a penalty on the extra point and you move half the distance to the goal, that a lot of teams will go for it. If this is the play here, it should be your play more often during the course of the game. Now, again, there are going to be some situational elements. There are going to be some tactical decisions that have to be made based on the context at that point. But if this is the way to maximize your chances to win, it should also be your way to maximize scoring as you go through you mentioned that the extra points being missed factors into the calculation i think that teams are not considering that enough when they decide whether or not they're going to go for two a team for example that i think should go for two fairly regularly would be the kansas city chiefs the teams like that and the teams that have the dual threat quarterbacks to where you have a much wider range of plays that you can employ as a result of that, 
you should be going for two more often. And so perhaps we'll see more of those. You'd like to see the gutsy play. I think that some of us who have fantasy players in those games are hoping that they'll go to overtime Yeah, <laughs> because then you can score some more, more points. points. I mean, again, Amari Cooper's whole day happened in overtime today. Nick Chubb changes his outcome substantially there in overtime. If you had Chris Even Godwin, Josh Jacobs, as big a day as he has, he, he puts up, you know, 14 points on that final play of the game. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, we're kind of rooting for that. I think the teams themselves have very different goals. They want to win that game. Not easy to score from right by the goal line, even if you have a Christian McCaffrey and Colin, that might be sort of a way to take us out today. The San Francisco 49ers win 13 to zero and look awful, awful doing it. You mentioned earlier, Sean, your eyes were bleeding from watching 14 hours. Even watching the highlights of this game, I think some of our listeners' eyes could be bleeding. It was that bad. It was it was that bad. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, I think, loses his genius label today and only can get it back now by winning a Super Bowl or actually having his team score more than 13 points in a game. They put together this Pro Bowl team, and what do you get from it? Christian McCaffrey carrying 11 times for 32 yards and... The two, the, the two plays that really determined this game for fantasy managers and will be generating controversy for years to come if the 49ers do not, in fact, win a Super Bowl in this game. The 49ers are up three to nothing. They've driven almost 80 yards in nine plays. They have third and goal at the two. Christian McCaffrey runs a route out of the backfield and is not picked up by the defense. So you have a couple of things happening in this play. One is that the New Orleans Saints thought that the best way to attack a third and goal from the two was to not cover the greatest running back in the last five, six years of the NFL. But then what transpired was that instead of throwing it to Christian McCaffrey or any other fantasy relevant player, Jimmy Garoppolo immediately Launches the ball out in the flat to Jennings. His favorite target. Yes, his favorite target. So you have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey in this game. And what we end up with is Elijah Mitchell leading the 49ers with 35 rushing yards. He does actually depart injured as well. And you have Jawan Jennings tied with Debo at seven targets, one below Brandon Ayuk. You have a fantasy game here, or not a fantasy game, it's a reality game, and that's what the 49ers are concerned about. You have an NFL football game here between the Saints and the 49ers in which the high scorer for San Francisco is Jawan Jennings, six catches, 49 yards. He gets the touchdown. So the Saints... I, I, I would, uh, he doesn't get the touchdown on this... touchdown bizarre touchdown where matthew has like a chance to just tip the ball away i think he goes for the interception kind of a tip drill play tips it up in the air jennings just kind of lying on the, the floor almost and <laughs> catches it on the ground and that's that's about how kyle shanahan drew up the plays for this entire game is <laughs> someone lying around on the ground later may make a play but the saints bailed out from their decision to not cover christian mccaffrey at all and they stop Jennings at the one-inch line. Then we have fourth and goal from, again, mere centimeters from the goal line. And on this play, Christian McCaffrey is not in the game. 
And so I don't think it's going to be a surprise to anybody that what happened is that they run a pass play and Jimmy Garoppolo looks around and he's like, well, I'm not interested in Debo or Ayuk or Kittle. Jennings is covered. Christian McCaffrey is not in the game. I'm going to take a sack. And so you don't score there. They do end up getting the value out of that when they force an immediate three and out because the New Orleans Saints do not have a professional caliber offense. They score zero points in this game. They do get down by the goal line a couple of times. They have a missed field goal. They have a fumble by Alvin Kamara, who, I mean, Kamara now has put together a month of poor performances. You look at where he is. You look at where Dalvin Cook is. These guys are not washed up, and I'm not saying that they are, and yet you are now seeing the down slope of their career in the same way that we've been witnessing this from the younger Ezekiel Elliott for a while. Not a good game from Kamara. Not a good game from Andy Dalton. Chris Olave has a weird sequence. I think that now that we're at the 50-minute mark column, it's okay to throw in a little bit of a note about the officials since we've already had so many plaudits that we've given out to the actual players. Chris Olave has a play in this game where he gets three feet, a hand, and a knee down before the ball is jarred away by the ground. And that play is overturned. And not only that, but Dean Blandino also seems to agree with it. Again, I mean, three feet and other multiple body parts is a catch. There's no... I watched this. I watched this multiple times, more times than I should have, Sean. And I was, I, I still don't know what, what has happened that it isn't a catch. It's not like you know. Sometimes they'll say you know, bang bang play hasn't done a football move, whatever you want to call. But this one was. This is utterly bizarre. Well, Colin, one of the things that that Dean mentioned is that you have to make a football move after you have gotten two feet down, and he mentions him tripping over himself. Anybody who has played any kind of sports understands that tripping over yourself in the context of trying to avoid someone else who is out there is an athletic move. It's not the preferred athletic move. It doesn't allow you to score a basket or make the winning shot, win your tennis match, score a touchdown. But it is something that happens in athletics. Tripping yourself is a football play. right? And even if it weren't, I mean, he has another foot down after that. So, again... Unfortunate for Chris Olave, who looked fantastic otherwise. Someone will be interested in tracking over the next five years to see what kind of quarterback play he gets. All of that's still very much up in the air. You know, is he going to be able to continue to command the target shares, get the air yards when he has other receivers out there with him as well? One of the issues there with the Saints is they have no talent on this team with all of the injuries. And so, yeah, you're not having to compete with those other elite players to get the volume but one of the things that you and i talk about a lot is that that creates its own problems which is that the defense knows they just need to shut you down so if olave comes out with a better quarterback and with some other weapons around him in the subsequent season and scores 10 to 12 touchdowns i don't think we would be surprised by that either this game disappointing in a week that most of the games were fantastic column week 12 really brought it at the end the final week for the regular season of the ffpc we have several more to go and some of our other favorite contests like underdog like many of the home leagues dynasty but we are now 
regardless of the format going down the stretch. And I think that, especially when you consider some of the things that have happened running up to this the last couple of weeks, but now week 12, this has been the best week of the season from a football perspective. Let's see some more games with 70 plus combined points. And this is even a week where we don't really need anything from the Kansas City Chiefs who face a Rams team without really any of their players. Say it again, just such a fantastic week. So thankful for the games that we got on Thanksgiving and then a fantastic Sunday. Yeah, it was an awesome Sunday. I mentioned George Pickens and his case to you know challenge those rookie wide receivers for the rest of the season that could start on monday night football we will be back to talk about that on the tuesday edition of the show we also have a lot of exciting games we didn't touch on cincinnati tennessee was one of them you mentioned there chiefs there's some notes to talk about even sean thing i'm most thankful for this week ronald jones was active how exciting is that he actually catches a nice pass for 22 yards but we will spend 45 minutes discussing that 22 yard catch on tuesday's edition of the podcast but lots of we stuff we will not don't don't worry anyone <laughs> anyone who is after <laughs> philip rojo he will be a footnote and nothing more but we it, haven't was, it was cool we've waited 12 yeah. weeks sean we've waited yeah. 12 weeks yeah but uh we're going to talk through that and, and much more lots of uh interesting news and notes that we will discuss on the tuesday show as we continue that recap that will be available tuesday afternoon eastern time usually about 5 p.m eastern so make sure you're subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed it's always released there first you'll get it as soon as it is available until we are back though my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to you can check out all of sean's work up on rotoviz.com if you want to get yourself a 10 percent discount while signing up at rotaviz.com use the code rv radio 2022 at checkout to save 10 percent get access to all of our content and tools and finally today's show once again brought to you by winbet and blue wire until tuesday have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotaviz radio please rate and review the rotaviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotaviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotaviz with a discount through the rotaviz radio homepage rotaviz.com forward slash podcast